You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. It's great to be here. I've been spoken at Calvary for a long time, and uh, life does get busy. Let me give you a quick introduction about me. Uh, first of all, thanks for allowing me to be here. It was a great, uh, it's been a great church here. I mean, we've just watched this church grow and thrive, and Pastor Nick has been a tremendous asset to our district, and uh, we're excited. But let me just say this. I am 66 years old, and uh, I retired after 22 years for the Pendel Ministry Network, where I did marriage retreats, young adult retreats, senior citizen retreats, discipleship training, children's ministry, retreats, and summer camps. This church has been a part of our summer camps for many, many years. Uh, we probably averaged over 2,000 children every summer at our camp situation. Um, <clears throat> My first wife and I were married 32 years, and she passed away with cancer, and I remarried about 10 years ago, and my current wife, Jan, has three daughters. They were adults when we got married, and I had two sons, they were adults. So now we have like five children, and we're like the Brady Bunch. Uh, more like the crazy bunch, though. Um, but uh, we, uh, we have 12 grandkids. I cannot get away from kids' ministry. There's no way with 12 grandkids. And I'm just so thankful that you're here today with me, and I want to thank our people who are watching online, at home, relaxing in front of the uh, television or the computer, sitting on their couch. Uh, keep awake, please. So, it's going to be a great day. My message is titled, Dirty Jobs. How many of you have ever watched the show, Dirty Jobs? Yeah, with Mike Rowe. One of my favorite shows. I'm a little addicted to it. Um, that guy has had every dirty job imaginable. Uh, let's see. He, he collected bat dung from a cave. That's pretty nasty. Uh, he also was a worm farmer, collecting worm manure. Uh, he's cleaned up roadkill, animals that were dead in the side of the road for weeks at a time. What a great smell that is. Um, he's been a garbage collector at Chinatown in San Francisco. He was a sewer inspector. That's my favorite of all. I watched that episode. He was a pig farmer, a maggot farmer, and he was an avian vomitologist, collecting vomit from birds for research. And he even worked in a place that treated head lice. All of that qualifies him to be a parent because being a parent is a dirty, dirty job. And I, you know what I'm talking about? I know there were some babies here today and, and maybe you've experienced what I've experienced. You know, you walk into that cute little baby's room. He's the cutest little kid you've ever seen and you realize he's had the worst case of explosive diarrhea that ever met your eyes. Now, how do you know that? Because it's all over the crib it's all over him, and it's all over the wall. He's finger-painting with it. Oh, the diaper says up to 10 pounds, but you, you think there's about 15 pounds of excrement there. And, you know, you take about 45 minutes. Well, first of all, you want to get the garden hose and hose them down, but that's kind of cruel and unusual punishment. So what do you do? You clean them up. You get the baby wipes out. It's like 45 minutes, and finally, there he is, as pure as can be, laying on the changing table, ready to be re-diapered, just laughing and giggling, and suddenly round two. 
Yeah. And now you get firsthand to see what explosive diarrhea looks like. So it is a dirty job. Raising kids can be a dirty job. It's the most challenging undertaking we will ever have in our lives, raising children. It starts the moment they're born, and it ends when they're 65. Yeah. I'm 66. My mother can finally quit worrying about me. So... Uh, you know, some people say, well, parenting is just so difficult and there's no real owner's manual. I happen to bring the owner's manual today from my Ford Explorer. Yes, it is not just an owner's manual. It is the warranty manual, the Ford 2015 warranty guide, the uh, driving your SUV with four-wheel drive manual, the quick reference manual, and the owner's manual, which has so many pages, it's unbelievable. I've never read this thing. I only look at it when there's a problem. That's what most of us do. My wife just bought a new Subaru, and the owner's manuals, 12 of them, is twice this much. But God did give us an owner's manual. It's called the Bible, right here. It's everything we need to know about child rearing. Believe me, it's here. And I brought this one today. It's the International Children's Bible, sometimes called the New Century Version. It's written on a third grade reading level. If you have children, don't get your kids a King James, because that's, that's like a 12 or 13 college reading level. Um, NIV is like a ninth grade reading level. This is great. It's a third grade reading level. Great for kids. Helps them understand concepts. And this is the owner's manual we need. It'll be the only one we ever really need. Uh, I'm going to share a passage today out of Deuteronomy. It's the basis for my message. It is the basis for how we should raise and parent our kids. And I think it's on the screen as well. Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Don't just teach them. Impress them on your children. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. In other words, your children should always see you living out the commands of God. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That sums it up. The commandments that God has given us to live by should be so powerful in our lives that we talk about them all the time. They're on our gates. They're on our door frames of our houses. Our kids will see them. They should be symbols on our lives, like on... What the Jews would do, they would actually make little leather boxes and strap to their wrists and tie in their foreheads with a band. And the little leather boxes had scriptures in them and verses in them. That's not what God really wants. He wants us to live them out so to be an example for our children. Uh, Three things I'm going to talk about today that I believe will help you parent your kids. Number one is model a great marriage. Number two model your faith. And number three, disciple your children. Our children feel secure when they're in a family with a great marriage. There's no doubt about that. When mom and dad love each other, there's a great example of parents who care for one another, show concern for one another. It gives our kids security. No child ever wants to see their parents divorced. But that's not real life. Divorce happens. And it happens more than we would like sometimes. How many know the ideal does not always happen in life, right? I told you my wife passed away 
quite a while ago. My current wife and her husband were married 25 years. He was very abusive. He was a pastor, had several moral failures. It was a shame. He was fired from his church. He eventually threatened to kill my wife and her 13-year-old daughter. He was not much of a father. He divorced her, took her to court, and sued her, and it was not her choice. Sometimes in life, we have to live with choices that are not ours. And it puts us in a difficult situation at times. I had to live with a decision that God made when my wife passed away. My wife had to live with a decision her husband had made. Real life situations happen. Many parents today, and you may be here today, you're here as a single parent. Maybe you lost your spouse through death. Maybe you lost your spouse through divorce. Maybe you were never married and you have children now, so what do you do? What can we as parents, divorced parents, good parents, uh, happy marriages, perhaps never married parents, what can we do to raise healthy kids? Well, to be followers of Jesus, we want our kids to become great husbands and great wives and great parents. And God has a plan for you as well, too, for all of us. Show and teach biblical roles. Help your children understand the biblical role. If you're a single parent, you can talk to your children about marriage and what it should be like. Don't be afraid to say, hey, you know what? It didn't work out for me. You know, dad has moved out or mom has moved out. And it didn't work out, but maybe someday it will for me. But for right now, you can have the kind of life that God wants. You can find the ideal mate that God wants you to have. Pray with your kids. Pray with them. I prayed with my boys. I had two sons. I prayed with them when they were little for the right kind of wife to come into their lives. My one son, when he was in his 20s, late 20s, he started dating a girl who wasn't a believer, unequally yoked. And my wife, before she passed away, she said to him, she said, John, I love you. You're the baby of the family. But you know, if you marry her, she'll never be the Christian wife you want and desire. And she'll never raise your boys, your children, to love Jesus because she's not a believer. You know what you must do. My wife passed away four days later. Those words haunted my son. He was serving God. I don't know why he decided to hook up with this girl who wasn't a believer. But they broke up kindly, treated her nicely. They separated and he's married to a girl who loves God. They attend church. They raise their kids to serve Jesus. You can help your kids make the right decisions, make the right choice. Point to couples in the church. Even if you're in a great marriage, point to couples in a church that have great marriages and talk to your kids about that. Look what, how he treats his wife. Look at how she treats her husband. Look at family members who have great marriages. Point that out to your children. Let them know that this is the ideal that God wants for you. No, real life happens, but also there's a model that God wants us to follow. Help your kids have a tremendous marriage. Talk about the role of a good husband, the role of a good wife. Help our kids target what God has for them. And then you can also show servanthood. Nothing is greater than being a servant. Model servanthood. Ephesians 5.25 said, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 5.33 says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife, respect her husband. Love and respect are two things that will value, bring value to your marriage. And when you teach your kids love and respect, it'll bring value to their marriage someday. 
It'll bring value to their life. As long as we're in Ephesians, let's look at Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. It may go well with you, and you may enjoy a long life on this earth. You see, there's a reward for obeying your parents, kids. It's a long life. As my mother would always say to me, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. That's right. So I don't think that's what the writer of Ephesians really meant when he said it gives you a long life. But, you know, we need to have kids who obey us. We need to lovingly obey them. It also says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Uh, instead, give them up and bring them up in training and instruction. Don't exasperate them. Don't irritate them. Don't frustrate them. Love them. Show your children what it means to serve. If you're in a marriage, serve one another. Serve your spouse. Let your children see it. Talk about it. Talk about what goes on and how you love each other. You know, my boys grew up every Saturday morning growing up. My wife would kind of sleep in on a Saturday. She'd come downstairs. My boys and I would already have breakfast made. She'd sit in her easy chair in the family room, and we'd serve her. Any breakfast she wanted, my boys and I would make. Now, my oldest son is now 42. I visited him about a year and a half ago in Kansas City. Well, it was right before COVID, maybe two years ago. I uh, visited him in Kansas City. Uh, his wife, on a Saturday morning, was sleeping in a little bit. She's a nurse, works very late hours. And my son and his three children got up early Saturday and made this elaborate breakfast and served her. So I see the thing carrying on. I poured it into them, and he poured it into his family. Something else we can do to give our kids a great marriage is show and teach honor. Let your children see you honoring your spouse. Do things to honor your wife. Do things to honor your husband and do it in front of your kids. If you're a single parent, it makes it a little harder. But what can you do? I'm saying this, so relax. What can you do to honor your ex? Now, your ex-spouse may be a real turkey. That happens sometimes. You know, you still need to help your children honor them. Write birthday cards, Christmas cards, buy a gift. Let them know when it's Father's Day they need to honor their father or honor their mother. I had several parents in my church that were single dads whose wives just left and abandoned the family. They still need to honor their parents because when they begin to honor their parents, even if that parent is a turkey and a jerk, and they honor them, it'll, it'll just do something in their spirit to honor people growing up. When they get married, they'll know they need to honor their spouse that they love. Watch what you say in front of your children. Now, when I married my wife, she had three adult daughters, and I had heard some stories. My wife is an ordained pastor. I heard some stories about her husband and some of the things he did. Not from my wife ever. She refuses to talk about it but I hear from her daughters. And I'm amazed at some of the things this guy did. Yeah, for 25 years, the abuse that his daughters and my wife have suffered. My wife said God spoke to her and said not to say anything negative at all, and she hasn't. You know what? That's hard to do when you're hurt. It's hard to do when a spouse has hurt you and left, but we need to watch what we say in front of our kids. They hear everything. What we say should always be uplifting. Putting others first will be a habit to pour into our children's lives, and it will bless them in school, it will bless them at work, and it will bless them in marriage. If you're watching from home today, you know that when you lift people up, 
God does something in your heart and in your spirit. Even if they're people you don't like or people who've hurt you, lift others up. The second thing we can do is model marriage. Model our faith. Model your faith in marriage. Modeling faith is not always an easy task. My one daughter, stepdaughter, has three preschoolers. They're five, four, and two. With those kids that age, you better have some God-sized faith to model your faith. They can wear you down. They can wear you out. I've had to watch them. Um, if, if you need to be a genuine believer with great faith to walk into their playroom, I've been to their playroom. It's a disaster. There are, it's like toys exploded in there. And uh, they have a certain way of playing with their toys. If you're going to go in there, you need to pray up a storm before you go in. If you go into their playroom and you try to fake your faith, yeah, they'll duct tape you to a chair and stuff goldfish crackers down your throat. You're not going to get out, not unless somebody calls a SWAT team. So you better have God-sized faith to show those kids they need it. Let your kids see you in real life. Let them see your faith. Let them see God move in your life. Take advantage of every example you can. Now, my wife and I were married in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm from Pittsburgh. We lived on the north side, attended a church there. Um, the old Three River Stadium was so close to my house, when somebody hit a home run, I could hear the crowd roar. So we left Pittsburgh when I was 30 years old and went to Kansas City, our first ministry experience, to be house parents in a children's home for kids who were abused. My two sons went with me. They were like in, I think, kindergarten and second grade. So we get there, and that year at the children's home, we lived at the home rent-free and we ate food from the home that was provided. And most of our food came from a food bank. And I made, my income was drastically cut. I made $6,000. This was like 1987. That isn't much money, but we survived. God just, my kids saw God provide. Great example of having faith in God and watching him. We get to our first Thanksgiving there, and my wife said to me on Sunday night, Honey, we're not going to have turkey for Thanksgiving. We just, it's not in our budget. We can't afford it. And I said, Well, can't we take hamburger helper and like shape it like a turkey, you know? And she says, no, it's not going to work. I said, okay. So we called the boys in and we prayed. We prayed that God would provide. I knew God would. Maybe, maybe somebody would give us a turkey. And we prayed that God would provide. And he did. That Monday morning, before Thanksgiving, a knock came to our door. There was a gentleman there from the Methodist church right down the street. He goes, hey, you know, we know you've got this care home, and we wanted to do something at our church, so we brought you a turkey and two bags of groceries, all the fixings for Thanksgiving. We're like, great, God, God provided. We didn't have a turkey. Thank you. And so we took that puppy and put it in the freezer. There's a big deep freezer in the care home. And then Monday afternoon, another knock came in the door, and another guy from another church brought us a turkey and a bag of groceries. And later on that afternoon, another knock at the door, another visitor, a couple of visitors really, and they brought us another turkey and a couple of bags of groceries. It was just three turkeys. Thanksgiving isn't even here yet. And then Tuesday morning, we had three visitors that day with three more turkeys and several bags of groceries. <laughs> and Tuesday afternoon brought two more visitors, two groups from two different churches with two turkeys and some groceries. And then Wednesday, anyway, we're all said and done. By the time Thanksgiving came, we had 16 turkeys in our freezer. <laughs> 20 bags of groceries. I remember showing my kids, look what God provided. We had faith. We prayed. Remember we prayed about this? Look what happened. It was that Thanksgiving at that care home 
we had roast turkey and turkey soup and turkey casserole and turkey sandwiches <laughs> and turkey salad and turkey tacos, turkey a la king and turkey chili, turkey enchiladas and turkey pot pie. I felt like the Israelites. Do you know what manna tastes like? Turkey, I'm telling you. You know what? It was a great way and a great opportunity to talk to my kids about having faith and letting God work and seeing how greatly he works. I cannot believe what God did. We were there for a year at the home, and we could not get the state licensing we needed, so they, the state closed us down, and we moved on and went to Central Bible College. And God had worked miracles that four years while I was there. Not only do you need to model faith, you need to model grace. Model grace to your kids. Grace is undeserved forgiveness. It's the foundation of a great marriage, the foundation of a great life. Parents need to model forgiveness every day, first with each other and then with other people, other adults. Don't bring up hurts. It just, just brings grudges on and, and brings unforgiveness on and makes us bitter. Talk to your children about forgiveness. Even mention when there's a situation that you're hurting from. Say, hey, you know what, son, daughter, I need to ask God to help me get forgiveness in my life for this situation. I'm hurt. Talk to your kids about forgiving one another. Even siblings. How many of you know siblings do fight once in a while? Well, maybe they fight all the time. At least that's my experience, okay? Help them to learn forgiveness with each other. When I was a children's pastor, we had a little boy named Tyler in my kid's church. He was a handful. There were some days I wish he wouldn't come to church. I'm only kidding. No, I'm not. I've got to be honest. I wish he wouldn't come to church. He was a handful, this kid. And his grandmother told me his story. See, grandma brought him. Uh, his dad was in the military. He was stationed overseas. And while overseas, mom, who wasn't raised very well, very rough woman, got a boyfriend and one day she took Tyler and his brother to the babysitter and left them there. And her, her boyfriend, the new baby, she took all their kids' clothes and all the kids' toys. They moved to Arizona. And she left a note for her husband while well, emailed him. When you come home, you'll find the boys at the babysitter. I'm gone. And that's what happened. So there's Tyler, it's summer camp, his grandmother sent him to camp, and I tried to get him to go down to the altar and pray at prayer time, he would not go. He just sat there with his arms crossed, stubborn as can be. And, and I finally said, Tyler, let's just go down, I'll go with you, I'll go down and pray with you. And he said, no, I'm not going. I said, why are you so stubborn and why are you so angry? He said, if your mother, if your mother took your toys and all your clothes and your baby brother and left and dropped you off at the babysitter, you'd be angry too. And he's right, I would have been. Real life happens. And sometimes it's just not fair for kids. I said, Tyler, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes. And he did. And I want you to try to imagine your mother as a little girl. Now picture her. Keep your eyes closed. See her as a little girl. She was never taught how to love children. She was never taught how to be a good mom. She was never taught how to be a good wife. And now look in her eyes, and you'll see a sad little girl. And I want you 
Tyler, to forgive that little girl. That's who your mom was. And she never knew how to be a good mom. Forgive her. Tell her it's okay. And when you tell her it's okay, you can open your eyes again. And he opened his eyes and he started to cry. Then we went down to the altar and he prayed for about 20 minutes, bawling his eyes out. He went from camp on Friday. Sunday comes. His grandmother brings him to church again, as she always did. And she said, what did you do to my grandson? He's a changed boy. I've not seen anything like that before. I said, Tyler needed to forgive because it was eating him up inside. That's what unforgiveness does. Help model grace to your kids. Talk about it. Show it. Show them how it happens. Model the fruit of the Spirit to your kid. Am I the only one that worries about becoming my parent? Maybe you've seen the commercial where they, they try to help people not become their parents. Well, when parenting my sons, I would catch myself repeating things my parents would say to me. Things I didn't like, like, quit your whining or I'll give you something to cry about. Maybe that's a Pittsburghism, I don't know. My mother would say, don't you look at me that way. It's the only face I have, Mom, I'm sorry. Or she'd say, you do as I say. Why? Because I said so, that's why. My dad would say, well, life isn't fair. And it wasn't. About 11 years ago, my father, who was 87, was put into a nursing home. I went there for the first time to visit him in the nursing home. And as I'm walking down the hallway, a nurse walks up to me and says, are you looking for Mr. Krebs? I said, yes, how did you know? She goes, you look just like your dad. I didn't like that. I could almost hear my mother say, don't you look at me that way. We can become our parents if we're not careful. It's a natural and easy thing to do. Some parents have great habits and mannerisms we want. My parents weren't the greatest of parents. I, asked, I would ask myself, I wonder what Jesus would do. I wonder how Jesus would parent my kids. What would he do? What would he say? How would he go about it? That's what I want. I want to be a parent like Jesus would parent my kids. That's what I want to do. I want to parent like my parents parented me. The Bible tells us we should always teach our kids the commandments, the passage in Deuteronomy. We should teach our kids how to live. When we live out a concept, when we live it out, it is better impressed on our kids. They're better able to apply it when we live it out. You know, the old saying, we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. Do you want your children to be like you? Then live it out. Live it out. You know, I think of the fruit of the Spirit. If you're looking for something to do with your kids to really pour into them, right here. Take a year and every night talk about one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Teach your kids about the fruit of the Spirit. Those are commands God has given us as adults to live by. Surely we should pass them on to our children. Teaching our kids to love people. Not even love people, love our enemies. That's even harder. Share examples of how you had to love your enemies. To have joy no matter what the circumstances. You know what kids do. They cross their arms. They get the big lower lip. There's no joy there. Teach them about having joy no matter what the circumstance. 
Teach them to become peacemakers, even among their siblings to become peacemakers. Teach them to have patience. Last Monday, my wife and I took five of our grandchildren to Knoebel's Amusement Park. They were four years old, two five-year-olds, and two six-year-olds, and it was a two-hour drive. Guess what was the most used phrase in the car? Are we here yet? Yes. Again and again and again. We finally said, okay, boys and girls, here's what you got to do. Look at the signs that said Knoebel's, and you keep watching the signs, and they'll tell you when we're going to get there. And so they would say, look, it, it says 20 miles. Look, look, it, it says 18 miles. Look, 15 miles. So they no longer asked, are we there yet? They kept looking at the signs. We taught them patience, yes. Guess what the second most asked question was? I got to go pee. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I don't got to go pee. That's the question they ask, yes, all the time. And they couldn't just go all at the same time. I don't know why. It's like this one, and then 10 miles later this one, and five miles later, it's just, I couldn't work that one out no matter what I did, so. Kindness and goodness. We need to model kindness and goodness to our kids. We need to show how we can be kind and good to other people and bring them in on the act. Help them to be kind and good. My son in Kansas City they do something great every year. He doesn't give his kids a lot of toys. They're really squelched the amount of toys, and he, he's financially very much able to do whatever he wants. But every year they take $500, they take their kids to the store, and they buy a ton of toys to give into, to other kids. They find a family in need, and they bless that family. Meanwhile, his kids got like two toys each. But his kids are learning not to be selfish, but to be giving to be giving, to do kind and good things for others. That's their lifestyle. I love it. Kindness and goodness. Gentleness. That seems to be lost in today's world. Bad behavior is at sporting events. Bad behavior is in video games. We have kids with no limits. There's not gentleness around anymore. Gentleness is not weakness. Help your kids to cultivate a gentle spirit. Show examples of it. Be a gentle person yourself. I remember one day I was washing the car, and my son, he was, he was older, probably in the 12-year-old bracket, wanted to help me. I said, okay, that's great. I'll wash you rinse. Well, the smart-aleck kid didn't want to rinse. He wanted to hose me down. And he drenched me. And I just, man, I went, Ugh, I'm, I'm going to get that kid. I, I can't believe this, because now i got to get ready to go somewhere. And I thought, you know what? I need to have a gentle spirit. I just began to laugh. I said, you got me, you got me good. I'm not going to get even with you yet. But someday it's going to come. And we laughed about it. But you know, show gentleness. Have that gentle spirit with your kids. Finally, self-control. I know our kids can frustrate us. They can exasperate us. We need to practice self-control and help our kids Practice self-control. Take every opportunity to impart self-control to our children. You can take a whole year, every night, read a verse out of either the Beatitudes. Every night, get together with your kids, read a verse from the fruit of the Spirit, and talk about it. Only take two minutes. You know, their attention span is very short. If they're five years old, their attention span is supposed to be five minutes. If they're ten years old, their attention span is supposed to be ten minutes. One minute for every year. And that's if you're really good. But let me say this. Attention spans are very short. Discipline your children. That's a big one. The Great Commission says we are to make disciples and teach 
them to obey everything I've taught you. That's what Jesus told us. How much more should we teach our children and disciple our children? If it's a calling God's given us for people, definitely it's a calling God has given us for our children. I've done everything I could to disciple my kids. I spent time reading the word, sharing the word, teaching them, training them. And I do remember the day that my kids, my two sons especially, became teenagers. It's a little more difficult when they're teens because, you know, when they become teenagers, they're actually smarter than us adults, right? So they think. I remember I said something one time and my son said, Dad, that's not true. My friend says, I said, Jeremy, your friend is an idiot. Sometimes you've got to call them like you see them, right? I try teaching my boys the truth all the time. And even through those teenage years, it was difficult at times, but I did it. And I wasn't perfect. I had my share of mistakes, let me tell you. But love and forgiveness ruled. Prayer changed things. Teach prayer to your children. Many times, I would ask kids to pray in a church, and they'd come up Sunday morning in kids' church, and the kid would pray like a storm. I thought, his parents know how to pray, and they've taught them. I have other boys and girls that come up, bow their heads, look at me and say, I don't know how to pray. It broke my heart. Their parents never prayed with them. Their parents never taught them. Pray with your kids. Teach them about prayer. Help them. It's important to them to have opportunities to pray all the time. Spend morning, noon, and night praying with your kids. Before bed, when they get up in the morning, before school, before meals, pray with them. Help them to be praying kids. Teach life lessons. Deuteronomy says we should influence our kids and impart commands to them when we get up in the morning, we go to bed at night, or walking along the road, all the time, teach life lessons. Take advantage of opportunities and God will bring them in front of you. I remember my own children one time, it's about maybe 3 o'clock in the morning, and it sounded like a garbage truck went through a dynamite factory. Just explosions outside. I look out the window, and there's a car right in front of our house on its roof. And the lights are on, the wheels are spinning, there's all kind of noise, and I run out, and there were four teenage boys in the car, and there was just much foam on the ground all around the car. The roof was almost smashed flat. Here the boys had a few cases of beer in there, and all the bottles broke, and just foam everywhere. The whole place smelled like beer. And we called 911, and they came, and the one young man died, and three were very seriously hurt, and the jaws of life had to get them out. My, my boys saw some of it, not all of it. They went back to the room. But the next, next morning, I woke up, and I walk outside, and there was a half beer bottle broken that was on there on, the, on my, my yard. I take it and I put it on my, my porch. We had a hundred discussions about that beer bottle, a hundred discussions about alcohol, drinking and driving, alcohol abuse, problems it can lead to. I took advantage of that opportunity to disciple my boys about something that wasn't good for them. Take advantage of every opportunity. God will bring those situations into your life. Take advantage of it. And finally, teach God's word as the ultimate guide for life. Many times our kids don't realize this Bible, this word of God, is the guidebook for their lives. It's the guidebook for our lives. Everything we do should pass through this filter. Everything. Help your kids know that that's where all authority comes from. That you as a parent, when you give a rule or regulation or a stipulation, it's because God has told you what to do and how to do it through his word. You don't have to read a lot of it to your kids, but every day read something. You know, it's been proven that 
people who read the Word of God like 14 minutes a week had their lives changed. Let your kids know this is what they need to do. This is what they need. Help them have a Bible reading habit, even if it's only one verse a day. Find a simple devotional you can use daily with your kids. Remember, you've got to be the example. If you're the example, they will follow your example. My boys started devotional life because my wife and I had a devotional life. It's that simple. You may say, well, I've already raised my kids. I've made a lot of mistakes. Well, I got you beat. I probably made more mistakes than you did. I think I added them up, and I came up with 37 million mistakes that I made. Thankfully, my sons turned out okay. They're tremendous dads, tremendous husbands. Uh, they love God. My one son's local here. He's very much involved in the church we used to be involved in on the worship team. My other son serves very well. They've got a free will because kids have a free will to choose their own path in life. But you as parents have a tremendous influence. You might say, well, man, my marriage didn't last. That's okay. It's a single parent, mom or dad. You have a tremendous influence on your children, a tremendous power to influence their lives. Let God use you. Let God use you as a husband and wife. Let God use you to influence your kids. I still pray continually for my sons that God would shape their lives. I'm happy with them. I think there's more potential in their lives, and I'm praying that God would open doors for them. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back up at this time. I'm ready to close. I remember being in Bible college and uh, for four years. I did nursing home ministry every other week. And a friend of mine said, hey, I have this nursing home that I go to on Wednesdays. I need some help. Would you help me out? So I went a few weeks. And there's an old man who came in there in his wheelchair. He had no legs. And my friend said, he is 100 years old. I said, wow. He was vibrant. He was a deacon in his church, a vibrant believer. So it came to prayer time in that nursing home. And I said, do you have any prayer requests? And he raised his hand. He said, would you pray for my two sons? He said, they're, they're in bad shape. They're out drinking. They're getting drunk. They're chasing women. They're like, I'm like, what? You're 100 years old. How old are your sons? Well, one is like 76, and the other's like 71. He's kind of shocked, you know? You know what? He said, I still pray for them every day. I didn't raise them that way, but I pray for them every day. You know, I, I'm believing God's going to do something with this guy and his sons. He prays every day. We have made a, maybe we make a lot of mistakes in our lives. None of us are the perfect parents. Perhaps you, like me, have made so many mistakes, you may feel it's too late. You know what? It's never too late. It's never too late. Prayer changes lives. Talk to your children no matter what age they are. Talk to your kids about the mistakes you may have made. I said to my kids a couple times, boy, I have some regrets. I made this mistake when I raised you. I, I said you shouldn't be doing this. That was kind of weird of me. I'm sorry. I said, Dad, it was okay. Dad, we know you loved us. Dad, we know you prayed for us. We turned out okay. Pray for your kids. It will change their life, and it will change your life. Don't just pray for them. When you're around them, pray with them. God can change everything. He is that kind of a God. I value you. I value your church. You have a great church here that loves you as a parent and wants to help you. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Thank you so much, George. We want to close this morning in prayer. Just as George mentioned, and whether you're a parent or not, 
we all have the ability and opportunity to parent people. What I mean by that is we have the opportunity to influence those around us. Maybe for you, uh, it's not your biological children. Maybe it's uh, a new coworker who just started that you get to help lead them and care for them. Maybe it's a neighbor down the street that you can uh, just be that safe place where you can encourage them, speak good things over them. We have this incredible responsibility that God has given us. And if you read through the scripture, through the Bible, there is such a, 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 an importance placed on one generation speaking into the next. Whether it's biological children or not, and especially for biological children. And as we close this morning, I wanna pray. Pray that God would use our words and our actions to lead the next generation well. You might say, well, I'm in my 30s, like I'm not, you know, that old. But you have a next generation behind you. Or you might be, I'm in my 70s and 80s and I don't know if I can do that anymore. You can. Every generation needs, desperately needs the generation ahead of them. Speaking into their lives and praying for them. We all need that. And what we want to do is we want to pray that God would give us opportunity to model what George has talked about for that next generation that we can speak in to that next generation, life, not death, that we can pray for God's best over them, that even our own biological children, that we can model and shape their lives to what God designed them, created them ultimately to be. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege you give us to be influencers. God, that in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, where everywhere we go, Lord, we have the opportunity, the privilege to influence. God, I pray as parents that you would help us to be influencers in our children. Recognize, Lord, that our goal, our goal as parents isn't to just survive. Our goal is to influence, to nurture, to cultivate what you have placed within them. God, let us never miss those teachable opportunities. Let us never miss chances to read God's word and to pray with children. Lord, as others of us who maybe aren't parents, God, I pray you would help us. Help us to see, Lord, whether we have children or not, you have still equipped us and called us to influence. God, let us look for those opportunities to to pour into maybe a young coworker who's new into the career that we've been doing for many years. Let us cultivate something in them and let them see your grace and your love through that. Lord, as we encounter different people who walk through difficulties, God, help us to be that caring person. Well, as George talked about, that can have that gentle spirit and can help pour into and influence others. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. God, we pray for your blessing over the next generations, God. God, over children today, they're growing up in a different world than we did. Lord, I pray for your blessing on them. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the generations that follow us, Lord, the generations ahead of us, God. God, I pray that we as a church can be a church, Lord, that models multiple generations following Jesus, faithfulness and longevity. I thank you for all that you're gonna do. God, help us as parents to make the hard decisions, Lord, to lead well, to not lead out of our own emotion, to not lead out of our own reactions, but to lead well for the sake of our children, for the sake of that next generation. Thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray.
This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.